The contents of this podcast are provided for general information and educational purposes only and do not constitute investment, accounting, legal, tax or other professional advice. Welcome to the Money Magnet Podcast, helping you attract and keep a fortune that counts with co-hosts self-made money magnet Steve McKnight and esteemed journalist Rowan Wen. Hello listeners, I'm Rowan Wen and welcome to the Money Magnet Podcast, where two mates talk money. I'm joined, of course, by Steve McKnight. Hey Steve, how you doing? G'day, Rowan. And in this episode, we'll try to explain why schools aren't teaching kids better money habits. Mm, a very, very important topic, I'd say. Totally. So who taught you, Steve? Where'd you learn this stuff? Yeah, where did I learn it? Well, i tell you where I didn't learn it. I didn't learn it at school. Right. <laughs> no surprises <laughs> no, there. No. Well, I did do a year 10, 1987 Go oh, back in the day, 1987, Brent Croswell, who was an AFL football player, yeah. taught me for consumer studies. What was consumer studies? Consumer studies was the pre-economics and accounting of year 11 and year 12. But what about primary school? Did you get those little money boxes? I used to have a little Commonwealth Bank money box. I think it was State Bank back in the day, actually. And your mum would give you 10 cents to put in there every week, and you put it in there, and it taught you how to save, and also indoctrinated you to a particular bank that you probably used for the rest of your life. I vaguely remember something in primary school around saving. I don't remember what it was. I do remember the plastic piggy banks though. Yeah. It never made any sense to me though, because it wasn't money we earned. It was hit your parents up for the money and then put it in the money box. And <laughs> what's that teaching you? Take? Well, I don't know. But maybe we'll talk about that in the podcast later when we get onto the topic of Another episode. saving. Okay. Yep. But really, who taught me? It wasn't school. It wasn't really parents, although we were always watching your parents and what they're doing. And it wasn't at accounting school, which is fascinating because a lot of people say, well, I mean, you're a chartered accountant, Steve. Surely they taught you how to be financially attractive in accounting school. And the answer is no. They teach you to add, but not necessarily to be smart with money. Well, funnily enough, it's around compliance and reporting and understanding debits and credits, but it's not about attracting and keeping wealth. All right. So how are we failing the kids then? What are we getting wrong? Apart from not teaching them at all, what should we be teaching them? Well, to answer your question from before about who taught me, I think I really started to learn more about how to attract and keep a fortune once I started working in the workforce as an auditor and went out to different businesses and watched what the good businesses did and watched what the bad businesses did and started talking to the directors and owners of these businesses to try and understand their perspective. And then I began to read more widely than outside my sphere of influence. Authors like Robert Kiyosaki, John Burley, Robert Allen, George Klassen, The Richest Man in Babylon is a good one. And this is what I talk about, the importance of interventions, because you're only as good as you are. And if you want to be better and you don't have that ability yourself, you need outside influences to come in and to educate you, to lift you higher. And these are some of the themes in your book, The Money Magnet. Absolutely. These are these are very important themes. So the point to summarize is I didn't learn at school, didn't learn at high school, didn't learn at accounting school. Really, my habits were as a result of absorption over time, watching what other people do. And then sort of key experiences. Now, you had a key experience with your maths teacher, for instance. I did leave school, not able to do maths. Well, I think we spoke about in a prior episode has sort of then left you feeling possibly a bit financially disempowered when it comes to managing your money because I'm not good at maths, therefore I'm not good at managing my money. It could be a cop-out on my part though as well, but... 
Yeah. No, Ron, I'm going to pull you up on that because I don't think it's a cop-out. I think what's happened is you had an intervention which was not a good intervention in your case and it steered you away from being empowered into being disempowered. And one of the key themes of Money Magnet is that your habits become your programming and then your programming sets your potential. Now, you gained a habit that, well, I'm not good at maths and then that habit changed your programming. I'm not going to be around maths equations and then you are where you are some decades on as a result of that. It didn't need to be that way. And this is the important point. In order to change your potential, you need to change your habits. Now, in order to change your habits, you need to change your thinking. So right now, I could ask you, do you want to be financially empowered? Sure, we all do. Well, do you? Because a lot of people say they do, but they don't really want to because they want the outcome, but they're not willing to make the change. Mm. Because you can't stay the same and change. If you want something, then you need to move in that positive direction. And so in your case or anyone else's case, if they want it to be better, in my case, then you need to find someone who can be that source of intervention for you to gain new information, to gain a new outcome. This is so obvious, but it's so opaque as well that you're unlikely to get to a new outcome on your own steam. Mm, Totally. So who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to rub up against? Who's going to be that positive influence for you? Now, let's say you've got two friends. You've got one friend who loves eating hot chips and you've got another friend who's talking to you about the importance of health. Now, normally you'd say, well, I'm going to hang with my hot chip buddy because it's fun. I can go there and I can eat hot chips and we have a good time. I don't really want to hang out with my healthy mate because I'm going to go over there. I'm going to feel a bit convicted that I'm not healthier and he's going to feed me carrots and celery. But which one is going to lead you to the better place? Good point. Very good point. And that's where it comes to financially that we need to start hanging out with healthier people if we want to get healthier with our finances. So why aren't better habits taught at school then? Because, I mean, we're teaching kids everything else at school. Why aren't we doing that? I firmly believe that we're not teaching kids about money at school because the curriculum's already crowded. And in order to teach new things, we have to stop teaching old things. And what old things do we kick out of the curriculum? Do we stop teaching people English? Do we stop teaching people maths or science? And then remember that our education system is primarily gained so that people can get jobs. It's a very old system gained to create a workforce. And the idea of financial empowerment is the antithesis of working. I mean, we want to be financially empowered so we don't work. So why would we include new skills on the curriculum that's going to lead to people not needing jobs? That again sounds like a conspiracy theory. Well, maybe it's an implied conspiracy theory that no one's ever thought about. But remember also that unions tend to dictate curriculum very heavily and unionised workforce is people have to work in order to pay their union fees. So it's a bit of a captured market about trying to get curriculum change. It's interesting because my parents, as you probably know, were both teachers for a time. And yeah, the amount of stuff that was pushed into the curriculum that I would argue wasn't particularly relevant. I mean, it's great to have that if you've got time, but there's so much stuff you need to know first. And it's a very loaded curriculum. Do we really need to know about calculus or would we be better off knowing how to calculate how to manage our money? Yeah. I mean, these practical skills in my mind would be of more importance than some of the pointy-ended stuff we have to learn in maths. I mean, why not create a module in maths, how to be financially free? Well, the answer is because we don't really want people to be financially free, do we? So I'm not a teacher, but 
I can't have because I'm a parent, right? And the kids watch what I do and learn from me because that's one of the other interventions you've got is what you see happening in your home. What should we be doing as parents? Well, what I would say, and this is another podcast principle, is that you can't expect to learn at school what's not taught at home. Because if your kids are going to school and they're learning, it should be one, two, three, but in the house it's four, five, six, that lack of congruency between what's taught and what's lived will just create confusion and what's lived will trump what's taught. That's why you can't say to your kids, do as I say, not as I do, because they'll always do what you do because that's what they'll emulate. Kids will emulate their parents. Which brings us back to another important principle that your children will be watching your good money habits and also your bad money habits and your good and bad habits will become their good and bad habits. So if you want to financially empower your kids, don't give them a book to read and say, read that book. What you really need to do if you want to do a good job is you need to make the change yourself so that their normal becomes your normal. So in order to improve their normal, you have to improve your normal. So it's a welfare issue almost. You've got parental guilt thrown in there too now. So (laughs) (laughs) parental guilt. Well, I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? If I want my kids to be better money managers, I need to manage my money better and I need to bring them in on it and say, here's what I'm doing and here's what I'm doing it. Did you ever realize, and I only came to this conclusion later on, that I thought that everyone else's house growing up was the same as mine. Really? Everyone ate the same thing for dinner. Whatever I was eating was normal. And whatever my parents told me was normal. I just assumed everyone else got told the same thing. Their parents were like my parents. Mm. And when I got home from school and turned on the TV and watched it, I just assumed everyone was doing it. Yeah. How old were you when this (laughs) stopped being (laughs) your thought pattern? Has it stopped? But this notion of normal is, well, everyone- It's like the Brady Bunch, right? Everyone thinks that Life is like the Brady Bunch because they watched the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Although Mr. Brady was actually gay in real life. Did you know that? I've never thought about Very it. Very famously. Funnily enough, I never- It was all a facade is the point I'm making. So what you think is normal may not be normal. Yeah. Or even more so, what I'm saying is that's not true. Your version of normal and the way that you were raised is unique to you. It's not, it's totally. not normal to everyone. Yeah. And therefore, if you want something different, then the first thing to challenge is your notion of normal. Because maybe your parents did the best job they knew how to do, but it wasn't real good. Mm. And maybe your mate from across the road, his or her parents taught differently. Here's the point. If you don't like the parents you got, find different parents when it comes to teaching you about money. So you don't have to do the money things your parents did. No. And challenging and redefining that idea of normal is the financial DNA that you'll be passing on to your kids. All right. So just say I put you in charge of the education department, say, rewrite the curriculum. What would you teach my kids? Jeez. (laughs) What? Blasphemy. (laughs) (laughs) You're the Christian, mate. You can't be doing blasphemy. (laughs) Well, it's just a question I wasn't really expecting. All of a sudden, Steve's got, you know, the power to set curriculum. What do we do? I reckon I'd tell people to do what I did in money magnet, because that's really my epiphany. And what do I tell people to do in money magnet? It's about making, managing and multiplying. When it comes to making, you swap your time for money and deploy your capital for return. When it comes to managing, I teach around the principle, which is income minus expenses equals savings or surplus, which is the yes principle. And then when it comes to multiplying, I'd I'd be talking about the formula for financial freedom, which is capital return and time. But what I would do is I'd wrap it up in a fun format. So I'd turn it into a game. Can I tell you a real life story? Totally. So my daughter, 
I have two daughters, as some of the listeners may know. My youngest daughter, Alyssa, who we call Moo Moo came up to me and said, Dad, would you teach me about investing? Right. And I said to her, what we should probably do is go for a walk with the dog and start talking about these kind of things because I've been waiting for you to come to me and say, I want to learn rather than me forcing these principles upon you. But it came as a revelation to me that instead of waiting for Alyssa or Cass to come to me, what we should have done in our household years ago was make our normal their normal. How so? Well, we haven't showed them what we've done around managing the household finances and they see us using credit cards to buy stuff or plastic to buy stuff. They don't see us paying it off. Yeah, yeah, right. And so there we could have done a much better job with how we taught money in the home by not teaching it but by living it. So now they've come to us and they've said, will you teach us? We've already missed a trick, if you like, by, we could have said, well, we've been teaching it since the start. You just haven't been aware of it. But because we weren't consciously teaching, we didn't have a curriculum in our minds about what we wanted to teach the kids and how we lived it. We haven't been planned and structured about giving our kids certain money habits along the way. Like saving, for example, is a classic one, teaching them the reason to save. So you can't really save without a reason. There's no reason to just put money in the bank and ignore it. Like, what are you using the money for? Yeah, well, savings are classic because that's one of the pillars that every parent sort of says to their kids, you need to learn to save. That's why they give the kids the money box in, in prep, you know. But why? Why do we need to teach our kids to save? Exactly. Because who do you know who's got rich from saving alone? Saving is half the story, row. because most people save to what? They save so that they can spend. yeah. And if you're saving to spend, you're never going to get ahead. Mm. And it's the better outcome than using debt and using money you don't have. But really the reason why you save is so you can deploy that money into investing. And this is the conversation I had with Alyssa last night. Would you like to know it? Go for it. So I talked to Alyssa around this notion of making money. And I said to Alyssa, right, well, if you work an hour, and let's say you get paid $25 to work that hour, and then you spend that $25, didn't mention tax or anything else like that, just said you earn 25 and you spend 25, you have to earn another hour. You have to swap another hour of your time for another $25. Yeah. So you've got what's called a time money multiple of one. Every hour you work, you get paid $25. So then I said to her, how do you get a time money multiple greater than one? So that if you work an hour, you get paid for more than an hour. And how do you do that? Yeah. Well, I said to her, here's the simplest way of doing it. If you earn $25, then spend $20 and take $5 of it and invest it. And yep. then the return you get on that money might be, we'll call it 50 cents, 10% return. Well, now you only have to earn $24.50. And down it goes. And down it goes over time until you don't have to earn anything because the money you've got from your investing is replacing the money that you're earning. So the way to get a time money multiple greater than one when you work an hour is to not spend everything you earn, deploy some of that capital into investing, and then gradually increase that over time. Now, a lot of people don't even understand that. They're like, well, I earn $25, I've got $25 to spend, or I earn $25, I spend $30 worse. And they're in debt. But if you asked me before, how would I change the curriculum? Mm. I would create a game which would work roughly like this. Let's say that you've got three options. You earn $25, you can spend your $25, or you can spend less than $25 and either leave the money in the bank, and let's give that a 1% return or deployed at a 10% return. And then I would get people to use maths skills yep. to work out which of these outcomes is going to get them ahead financially. Yep. 
Box three, of course. Well, what you learn by doing the numbers, and this is where you can use practical maths, is that box one, you never get ahead. Box two, you get ahead, but it takes you so long to get ahead that you'll be working the rest of your life anyway, which is why you can't save your way to financial freedom. Or box three, which is right. Well, I need to learn to spend less. I've got a compelling reason to spend less so I can invest more because the more I invest and the more the money's working for me rather than me working for money, the more financially empowered I would be. Great principles. Do you think there'll be a time when we teach this stuff at school? No, because I don't think we'll ever get it in the curriculum. I think we have to give up on the notion that our teachers need to teach our kids this and embrace it, that these are the sort of skills we need to learn in the home, which now we get back to my crusade which is why I wrote Money Magnet and why we're doing these podcasts and why I provide other resources because often we don't know what to teach in the home because we don't know it ourselves. And we can feel a bit of guilt and shame around that. Why aren't we doing a better job? But don't. Don't worry about what you haven't done. Let's just worry about what you can do now and the conversations we can start having and the changes you can make to live the change you want your kids to see. So the financial DNA they've inherited off you is positive, not negative. There's not mutations in their future. There's, I don't know what the opposite of mutations is, but there's health and happiness and vitality. Which is what you want for your kids. Amen. So that's fantastic. And actually, it's quite empowering to think about that. You know, you can actually, at any stage in life, fix these habits and and try and show them to your kids so that generationally things will be better. So the question reverberates back to why don't they teach kids about money in school? Well, they don't teach kids about money in school because the curriculum's full. Are they going to teach kids about money in schools? Probably not. So it's our job. So we're left with, exactly, if you want your kids to have better money habits, you're the one who needs to teach them, which logically then extends to how do I teach my kids about money? And the answer to that is you don't teach them like at school in a classroom, you live it. Yeah. And then as you live it- Kids learn what they live. You'll be teaching your kids what new normal looks like and they'll be in the habit and the programming- of being financially attractive rather than financially repellent. So by learning and taking care of yourself, you actually teach your kids too. That's right. Excellent. Great chat, Steve. Thank you very much. And if you've enjoyed today's chat in this episode, you know what to do. Please recommend the podcast to a friend or maybe give us a high rating as well if you'd like to, because we like those. And Steve, I will see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Money Magnet podcast. If you have questions or would like to provide feedback, then please send an email to podcast at moneymagnet.au.